Welcome to Mind Matters Perspectives, and I'm your host, Sneha. Perspectives is about bringing you conversations from individuals around the world, sharing their stories and experiences of life. We're trying to create a space to have the necessary but sometimes hard conversations on mental health, community, life, and everything in between. Conversation and information are an integral part of our lives and our growth. And with that very same hope, incredible people from all over the globe are sharing their perspective with you. Please know that sometimes these discussions get intense and we touch on topics like depression, anxiety, self-harm, abuse, and more. So if any of these topics can trigger you, please take care while listening. Listen with a friend or someone you trust. If this environment is not immediately available to you, I request to wait till you're in a better state of mind and a safer space. Also know we are not professionals giving out any medical opinions, but individuals sharing our perspective and our stories. If you need any professional help, please seek the same. This podcast is not a substitute for professional help. Thank you and take care. And without any more further delay, let's get into today's chat. Today's guest is joining us from the US and honestly is one of the kindest and most considerate human beings I have had the honor of getting to interact with and work with. And I am so excited about this. D2, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your pronouns, what you do, and your background? Yeah. Um, thank you for that kind intro. Um, yeah, so I am D2. Um, my name is Dawn. Uh, but yeah, everyone, everyone calls me D2. Um, I am part of the Start the Wave team. Um, that is how we connect in. And um, for Start the Wave, I am in charge of all the graphic design. Um, I manage the social media rollout. Um, I do some of the website content, um, you know, kind of all over the board. Um, but my main focuses are the graphics and social. Um, my pronouns are they, them. I know you asked me that. I should have done that first. Um, and then outside of Start the Wave, like normal, you know, every day I work for um, a major credit card company here in the U.S. and I do the internal communications um, for them. Um, and that's where I learned my graphic design and my writing skills and my project management and everything that I've kind of brought in to start the wave uh, with the assignments that I have there. You're um, one of the coolest artists I know. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Like a huge compliment thanks no I kid you not like I absolutely adore the aesthetic of the start the way page and like just the idea how each image is connected and I've seen mm -hmm. your work as well incredible thank you <laughs> yeah um, yeah it's been a lot of fun rolling out the new look for start the way um it's been yeah it's been super creative and like definitely pushed some boundaries for me and um it's been a lot of fun so thank you for that Awesome. I'm looking forward to talking more about creativity in this conversation as well. Um, but to start us off, could you tell us a little bit about like growing up, what was the conversation around mental health for you? Were you encouraged to talk about it? Um, definitely not. Um, I think I grew up, um, I've actually loved recently, I feel like in the last maybe 10 years, mental health has become like a much bigger focus and like it's not as stigmatized, but I definitely grew up in the age of, if you go to therapy, you don't talk about it kind of thing. And so um, my mom went to therapy when I was I think maybe like 10 or 11. Um, 
and I just remember it just being like, I'm going to go to therapy to kind of work through some, some stuff from my childhood that's lingering and causing issues, you know, now, um, for all of us. Um, so hopefully, you know, like things will get better and I'll be happier and, you know, I can kind of move on from, from these scars that I have, um, from my childhood. And my mom had been open at that point about some of those things with me, um, and some of the things that, that she dealt with growing up and, and stuff like that. And, uh, but it was basically just that one conversation. Like, I don't know, um, the result of any of those. I don't know how many sessions she went to. I don't know. Um, even to this day, I'm sure if I asked my mom, she would be open about it now. But back then I think it was just like, Hey, heads up, I'm doing this. And after that, it was just, we kept quiet about it. And it's not like I then went out and told a bunch of people because, I was like, oh, my mom's going to therapy. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, I don't really know. Nobody ever talks about this. Um, so it was definitely more of a keep quiet type thing. And um, I was never specifically encouraged or like if I was going through things or like when I, you know, hit puberty and was like super emotional, like I had a bad couple years Um like in my early teens, I don't specifically remember them. I just remember my, I I remember my mom and I didn't get along and I was definitely a different person then. Um, And I know my mom talks about like, oh, there were a few years that I was like, I don't know if we're going to get through this, you know? Um, And it was nice to see you come out of that and become the person you are. Um, But there for a while we wondered like, is this the person you're going to grow into? Um, but I was never encouraged, like, do you want to go see somebody about like what's going on in your head or how you're feeling or, you know, anything like that. It was never really something that was encouraged, um, when I was growing up. Thank you for sharing that. Um, one thing yeah. that's been really interesting for me through this project is to sort of understand like the extent of this conversation in different parts of the world. Like, I think, um, I've been lucky to like have conversations like with individuals from all over the world and it's such a different point everywhere like in my life right now I went to therapy for about three four years and my parents didn't even know so at the age people would sneak out and go to parties I would sneak out and go to therapy and (laughs) that was the kind of situation like that's now for me which is like so it's really interesting to like understand how the conversation has been for like different people and from different parts of the world but just to build on that, like now as a parent yourself, mm-hmm. how do you approach the discussions of mental health with your child? Yeah, um, great question. So I've taken the exact opposite approach because Toby is now the same age I was when my mom um, went to therapy and I started going to therapy a little over a year ago um, when... I think I came to the realization that um, I was no longer happy in my marriage and I didn't know if it was me or if it was us or if it was him. Like, I didn't know what that was. And I was like, I have a lot of stuff going on in my head right now. Like I need to see somebody about this. Um, And I'm, I'm blessed that I have amazing benefits through my job that I literally just pick up the phone and say, I need to see someone for these issues. And they just immediately approve six sessions for free. Um, and I got my husband into therapy and, you know, we were going together and we were very open with Toby about that. Um, and I remember it was funny because when we initially told him, like I sat down and I was like, Hey, 
So we're going to go to therapy, um, you know, see if we can work things out and see if we can figure out why we're not happy. And if we just need to, you know, part ways or if we can work this out and stay together. Um, and I remember Toby initially, which I'd never really had a conversation around therapy with him. Um, he kind of snickered and was like, you're going to therapy. And I was like, where did the stigma come from? Like, it was, it was almost like, it took me back. Like, I don't know how inbred it is in our society that that's a stigma that like my 10 year old, 11 year old was like, oh, that's funny. And I was like, it's not funny. Um, and so at that point I had a lot of very open conversations with him about like why therapy is important why your mental health is important. And like, sometimes you just can't work the shit in your head out on your own. Like you need help. Um, and you need someone that's trained to help you reconcile those thoughts and understand things on a deeper level. Um, and it, that's perfectly fine. And it's, it's something that should be celebrated, not, you know, looked down upon. And since then, over the last year, especially with COVID and like being like stuck at home for school and like just being isolated from his friends and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, I, there was like weekly check-ins like, hey, how are you? How are you feeling? You know, just like I'm going to therapy, like you could easily go to therapy if you want to talk to someone as you're like, because now he's in that like puberty, like super emotional, very different um, and I can kind of see where my mom was feeling at that point where it was like, okay, you're kind of a different person right now. And I don't know if you're going to stay this way because like my sweet little compassionate boy now has like an attitude and like all these little things. And I'm like, do you want to talk to someone about this? Like, do you want, that's someone that's not me, not dad, not grandma and grandpa. Like, is there any, like, do you want to just get these feelings out that you're keeping inside to someone else? And he hasn't taken me up on it, but I still do weekly check-ins and like just constantly remind him that that that's an option and that he should be taking his mental health and how he's feeling and all of that like serious. Um, and that he never has to feel ashamed to just literally say, mom, I need to go to therapy. Like no judgment, no questions. Like I've told him that I was like, I won't even ask why it's none of my business what's going on in your head. And that's the way I've always like tried to empower him. Like if what's going on in your head is harmful, um, I need to know about it. But if it's just normal crap in your head that you just don't know how to think through, I don't need to know what those things are. I respect your privacy in that. And you just need to tell me, I think I need to talk to somebody and I'll set up an appointment and it's none of my business what you talk about if it's going to help you. And so that's kind of the approach I've taken to parenting. You're incredible. I know Jordan said this on the panel, <laughs> Mom of the Year. I second it then. I second it again now. But honestly, Thank what you. you're doing is it's it's huge because it's going to have such a wonderful impact on him and like how he approaches life in general. And like the kind that's the kind of like effort if that's kind of like what's going to break the whole conversation on mental health. It's going to change it to in, in the right direction. And the coming generations would not be as like hesitant to like realize it's not even a hesitant it's almost an indifference that your mental health exists or not which you're changing by just asking how he's feeling yeah mom of the year I repeat <laughs> thank you but kind of just to talk a little bit more about like how with the COVID situation like you know the forced mm -hmm. lockdowns and the isolation how has that affected your mental health and like did that translate in how you parent your parent Toby as well? Like, 
Um, great question. Yeah. Um, COVID has been interesting because I feel like in, in certain moments it was really hard. And then in certain moments, I actually really liked it. Um, like I'm an extrovert. Like I love people. I love connecting with people and like all of that, but I also like grew up an only child. So I also just really like my alone time. So like some days I would like crave that human interaction and it would be really hard for me. And I would be in kind of like a low, um, and then the next day I would just be like, today's the day, like one of those days that I would just love to just not talk to anybody, um, and just have a nice quiet day. And then I would like savor the fact that I was just at home and everything. Um, and so on the days that I was low and I felt the effects of the lockdowns and the isolation, um, those are the days that I would reach out to my friends and my family. And I would just be like, Hey, do you have time for a zoom? Like, let's just jump on a zoom. Like, I don't even care what we talk about, but like, and even didn't even necessarily need to be a zoom, like even just a phone call. Um, like Porter, um, you know, one of the other Start the Wave members, I feel like our friendship probably like quadrupled through COVID, honestly. Um, like I leaned on her a lot on my low days. I'd be like, hey, do you have time to catch up? Like, and I wouldn't even necessarily like, and I mean, she'll learn this if she listens to the podcast. Like I wouldn't even necessarily say it like because I was having a hard time or it was a low day or um, or anything like that. It would just be like, Hey, do you have time to catch up? And yeah, sure. And we would jump on what was planned to be like a 20 or 30 minute catch up. And we'd be on the phone for like two hours. Um, and that's typical even now. Um, but yeah, she was a total godsend through this because like, um, you know, I would reach out to her and then like my other friend, um, Kale, one of my Herber friends, um, also same thing. I'd be like, Hey, do you have time to catch up? Like, and it would just be, you know, just get on the phone and, and talk um, and just have that human interaction to where you didn't have to, to feel so locked, locked down and isolated. Um, and that was basically the same thing that I did with Toby. Like there was daily check-ins of like, how are you doing? How's everything? Like, do you want to go for a walk? Um, you know, and I kept tabs on his friends in the neighborhood and like, if they were taking quarantine seriously and um, if anybody in their family had been sick and I'd be like, it sounds like, you know, Brighton's okay to play. Like if you really want to play, like, why don't you guys go outside and like jump on the trampoline or something like that? So it was still kind of like an open area, that kind of thing. And so I really focused on making sure we were being safe, but also making sure that like, the effects of the isolation and the lockdowns and all of that, like, didn't affect our, our mental health as, as much as possible, um, and tried to get outside as much, um, as well. Oh, that's, that makes a lot of sense, actually, and thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm sure if Porter hears that, she'd probably be <laughs> very happy to know what her impact has been. Um, also, uh, like, this is something we actually discussed on our panel, like mm -hmm. with the whole situation of like COVID kind of woke a lot of people up to like the reality of what the world is and like mm -hmm. but as a parent and this was something that I shared with you as well like what you opened up and talked about like this fear of what it was and like bringing a child into this world and like mm -hmm. could we talk a little bit about that because I remember 
uh, very specifically like after a person close to me who is soon going to be a mom heard what you shared it was a lot of anxiety that was relieved for her and i'm sure that that conversation would help a lot of people so if you're open to it could you tell us a little bit more about how how your own approach was like how your thought process was or like how you dealt with the idea of bringing your child into what this world is right now mm-hmm. yeah um and uh yeah so on the panel um i think i don't remember what question it was but basically um if people haven't watched the panel um when i had just had toby um and he's about to turn 13. So it was a while ago. <laughs> um, and I had just had Toby, I just returned from maternity leave, I was at work and someone, um, I wasn't super focused on like climate change or anything like that back then. Um, I think it was still kind of a newer concept and, and just getting talked about, but there was someone on our team um, at work that was a little more focused on that. And they were reading an article about global warming or something like that and without thinking of who was in the area and who like was around and in earshot, which we all are are guilty of. um, They were like, um, you know, the the world's a shit show right now. Like, um, you know, what kind of monster brings a kid into this world? Like um, we're all gonna die and people keep, you know, pushing out kids and, you know, and I mean, granted we live in Utah, people have a lot of kids here. So like, I get where they're coming from because like, people have a lot of kids, but like, they weren't thinking of the fact that I just had a kid. Um, and I, in that moment, I was just like, Ooh, like that cut a little deep. Um, and I didn't say anything. I just kind of sat there and, and dealt with it, but it did make me think like, should I have had a kid? Like, is the world really that in that, you know, state of, of crazy that like, we shouldn't be bringing kids into the world. Like, um, and that, that kind of started my path of like really figuring out like where, where the world needed help and like what we should be focusing on and working on. And, you know, it took me a little bit to get there, but I finally got to the place where I had an answer for that person. Um, and by then I had no contact with them. So I couldn't go back and be like, you know, two years ago, you said this and it was really shitty. And here's my, here's my reply <laughs> two years later. <laughs> um but it was just like, you know what? I brought a kid into this world so that I can teach them to repair the errors of our generation or their grandparents' generation or the generation before that. And so I've really tried to do like um, a conscious parenting. And so I've brought Toby up from, I mean, as little as one or two, you know, early on conversations around you know, being nice to the environment and protecting the earth and recycling and littering. Like as soon as I felt like he could understand what I was talking about, we would have a conversation about it. Um, First time he ever, you know, threw a piece of trash on the ground. I was like, well, we don't do that. Like, this is why. Um, And like understanding LGBT issues, like um, understanding gender, like all of those things that we just had a very like open and conscious conversation around that to try and like bring him up into a very compassionate mindset of be compassionate to the earth, be compassionate to your fellow humans, be compassionate to yourself, most importantly, um, 
and just go out every day and try to make a difference in one way or another. Um, and yeah, that's really been, you know, my focus with parenting and like bringing, I think, any child into the world. And I mean, you know, the world's even, I think, worse and better um, than it was 13 years ago. We have different problems, but some things have gotten better, you know. Um, so I really think, you know, that would be my advice or my mantra to any other parent is just um, raise them in a conscious manner. Um, and like, I think too often we have, and we tell parents that we need to like um, filter the world um, and we need to censor the world. Um, like, I mean, that's a huge argument with, you know, anti, you know, queer people that it's like, oh, well, if we introduce kids to that too young, they won't understand. And then um, we'll make them gay, which is just ridiculous. I won't even get on that topic. But like, I mean, that's the thing, though, is we have this like mentality that we have to censor the world for our children. And I've never taken that approach with Toby. Like, I've never like some people would probably be like, oh, you had that conversation way too young. You should not have had that conversation with a five-year-old. But guess what? Like he's much more conscious and accepting than kids that are years past his age. Um, so I think it's a good thing. I don't think we should be protecting them or censoring them from things um, if the point of the conversation is to raise them to be conscious and accepting of what you're talking about. I think that's an incredible approach. I mean, you're preparing them for what the world is. They're not going to get mm -hmm. shocked when they realize the reality. Like that safety yeah. bubble isn't, I mean, as as like blunt as you can say it, like that's not what a world is. That's it, like yeah. this ideal false narrative that we can create. It just does more harm. I mean, I wish I had more open conversations when I was growing up. Then I probably would have realized that I, the way I was feeling after I lost my brother, I would have had some sort of idea of like, what the hell am I supposed to say or what the hell am I supposed to feel? But I never had conversations about it. Hell, we still haven't had conversations about it. And a yeah. lot of like, I mean, the first time when we, like the last time we spoke, you were a bit surprised about how old I actually was based on like what I was saying and how I talk. But yeah, I mean, that's just kind of the, my situations, uh, what like taught me what I'm supposed to do. It had nothing to do with the conversations had I had. And if I did have those conversations, I would have, I would be a different person now. I would have done different things. And can I just say again, mom of the year. <laughs> Thank you. Like that's incredible. I mean, seriously, like I have so much respect for you. And like this is something I shared with you post our panel once it came out. Like I had a person close to me who's struggling a lot with this specific topic about like how to be a parent in this current world is it is it is it the right thing to do and I I didn't know what to say like I don't have any idea what to say but like after they heard you I remember them calling me and like sobbing and like I finally feel like someone said the right thing that I needed to go and she they almost felt like a certain guilt about being pregnant and that guilt went away after hearing you say what you did and I'm really that's one reason why I really wanted to have this conversation on Mind Matters and why yeah. I reached out to you even post the panel like would you wanna and I'm really <laughs> grateful thank you for saying yes yeah no that's that's great I mean that's that's always one of those um 
you know, anytime I do a panel or, you know, a podcast or, you know, even just like a post on start the wave or something. Um, and I'm putting myself out there. Um, like it's not easy to be vulnerable and it's not easy, um, to kind of just, you know, open, um, it was funny, uh, like an expression that has recently been brought to, it's not easy to be like naked in front of people. And that's really what you're doing in those moments is like, you're, it's basically, you're just standing there. Um, and that's what, um, my senior manager at work said when I came out to, to our team as, as non-binary and, and helped them understand, you know, what that means and like how I would like to be addressed at work. And, um, you know, she praised me to the other manager and was like, Dawn stood there and like was naked in front of all of us and vulnerable. And we need to respect that. And we need to make sure that we're doing what's right by them. Um, and so it's, I've kind of taken that, like, these are the moments that I've like stood there naked for everybody to see. Um, and those are, are scary and they're nerve wracking. And I always wonder, like, do these actually make a difference? Do like, are these moments where I've done this, um, actually doing anything and so it's it's amazing to hear um even just that one cover even if it was just one person um just that one conversation um with the person you know is is awesome and I hope you know diving a little deeper in with this podcast will help them even further but yeah it's great to hear that last time we spoke you told me to remember that the people that reached out to you are one but there might be quite a few that haven't reached out to you and you probably yeah. left an impression on them as well so I think that's yeah. something you should remember for yourself as well. Yeah, that's good. You bringing bringing my advice back and and showing me I need to listen to myself. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> I, I I have a few I have a few aces off my sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting though that we do that. Like it's so easy for me to be like no, you're making a difference. Like look at this. Like guaranteed there's and I, and here I am like not listening to that and, and making those same assumptions for myself so I just got out of like a two-hour conversation about that very topic just before we got on to this recording where the two of us were basically talking about like we're helping each other out but if we applied the same advice we were giving to each other we would both be in a better place with our own stuff but for some yeah. reason it's so hard to do yeah. it for ourselves it really is yeah so the reminders are quite nice from time to time. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> Technically, it's your advice. I just happen to remember. Well, I mean, I guess that means it was good advice. <laughs> but um, I mean, you already touched upon it a little, but um, how important was it to like have a support system in your life with your mental health? Like, whether it's family, friends. Uh, I recently came to the... Uh, understood this term about chosen family and soul family and it's been really interesting to hear about that if you're comfortable sharing yeah um I think support systems are super important and whether that is um whether that is your like family or your friends um or your chosen family like I've been lucky enough um you know, over the last year and a half, um, to have a combination of all of those, um, you know, the, the last year and a half, not just, I mean, it's been a lot, um, you know, it's, it's been COVID it's been, you know, us, you know, ending up separating and not, you know, continuing our marriage. Um, and 
like that in itself is emotional and hard but then you also have a child that's involved and then you have like the guilt of it's not just affecting us and we may be we may be okay like we've I've been lucky enough that it's been very amicable like we both just understand none of neither one of us did anything wrong and we, we literally just fell out of love we've grown into completely different people than when we met 16 years ago you know I mean it's a long time and a lot of growth and like some people grow you know parallel to each other and some people grow apart and that's what we did and we can feel okay with it and we can be okay with it but we also have to consider you know the impact that it might be having on Toby and so you have that guilt coming in um and so there's just it's been a lot for the last year and a half and so um yeah my parents um I have amazing parents, like I'm super blessed. Um, and they've been amazingly supportive. Um, and, you know, I've been able to be open with them about, you know, my therapy sessions and like the things that I'm working through and talking through and, and all of that. And then, um, you know, I, I mentioned like Porter and Kale, you know, my friends, um, I would consider them found family as well. Like my local friends, like just here in Utah that live with me that I see all the time have been amazing. Um, so I definitely think um, that that's super, support systems are important, you know? And Dom, we had a conversation um, the other day um, and anyone that watched um, the live this weekend with Emmy, um, they mentioned the same thing um, and it was the lighthouse comment um, and it was finding your lighthouses um, because when you're having those moments of doubt and you're feeling down and you don't really know what to do or where to go, like those, you look for those lighthouses and you look for those lights in the dark that'll bring you home and make you remember who you are um, and that what you're feeling is valid and it's okay and you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I think the lighthouses is a great analogy um, and one that I like carry with me since I had that conversation. But um, I would say that, yeah, support systems, lighthouses, all of that I think is gonna be super critical for your mental health. Um, and I think you need people that you can lean on. Um, because I mean, it's just like I told Toby, like with therapy, like you can't do everything alone. Um, and I think, again, that's something that we've, um, it's like a weird stigma that I think like is in society right now that it's like, you're cool if you can stand on your own two feet and you can do things by yourself, you know? And like, that's great. Um, like, I'm, I'm kind of feeling that empowerment now, you know, with like being a single mom and like standing on my two, own two feet for the first time in 16 years. Um, and like, I can feel that sense of empowerment and it's great that I can do things alone, but I also, I'm not doing it alone because I also have my support system that I know I can call upon at any time if I need them kind of thing. Um, and so I think it's more of a strength to depend on people than it is to do everything alone. I don't know where we kind of got that mindset that asking for help makes us look weak. I have mm -hmm. no idea where that thought kind of like came into existence. If anything, accepting you need help is a sign of strength, in my opinion. Yeah, 
for sure. It's easy to stand and do stuff on your own. It's it's hard to like accept that you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't do it yourself, and you need help. Yeah, I agree. I and the whole like the term soul family and chosen family. It's all very new to me. Like the word family in itself is something that I have a very complicated relationship, and like I've been sorting and like dealing with that stuff over the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting to like hear, and like it, it, it makes my heart happy when I hear stories like this. And I love the lighthouse analogy. Like I absolutely yeah. adore it. Um, when uh, Desiree Dawson's new song came out, the "Meet You at the Light" mm-hmm. was uh, it was really interesting because just before the song came out, so because I'm in India, I'm ahead time zone wise, so I got the song about like 10, 11 hours before everyone else on the other side of the hemisphere, and Des and I were actually talking just before the song came out, and the conversation was about lighthouses. And just what our personal lighthouses were. And then mm-hmm. it turned midnight and the song was out. And I was like, <laughs> you're getting a live reaction to the song. And we just sobbed about lighthouses. But I yeah. think that's one of them that's been a very, I don't know how to like, almost like a saving grace, the concept of lighthouses, which mm-hmm. I have learned through the project and like the connections I've made through it. And thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and I think like with you, you know, you and I have, have spoken, you know, not being recorded. Um, and, you know, you've opened up about um, your relationship with family and the word family. And so I think, I think it's, it, there's a power um, in reclaiming things um, and reclaiming words. And I think, um, this is a great opportunity for you as you're like stepping in and understanding like what soul fam and chosen fam means um, and seeing the impact that that can have um, on your life. Like, I think it's, it's your opportunity to reclaim that word in a different way. So I'm working on it. it. <laughs> working on it, reclaiming a lot of stuff that I have, I don't think I would have been able to do had it not been for the last couple of months. And the people that came into my life in the last couple of months have been a huge have played a huge role in like me reclaiming a lot of things in my life so I guess the power of the soul family and chosen family has st- showed in my life I just didn't realize what it was yeah but like um would you tell us share us uh, share with us a little bit about like what you personally use to like ground yourself when you have like these intense feelings or these highs and lows or if you're comfortable what your lighthouses are yeah um so I I mean it's funny we were we were talking before we started the podcast um about the post I just shared about my art um and you brought up my art um and I just recently made the connection I don't think I really like drew the connection between my artwork and my mental health um until like you know, we were planning, um, Randy, um, has joined me on like the social team and, and we work together to figure out the content and what we're going to post and, you know, who will highlight and all that kind of stuff. And when we were brainstorming creativity and healing, which were, we just started highlighting this week. Um, we were like, we should highlight people like people on the team or like people within the community, um, and how they've used like creativity to heal 
and all that kind of stuff. And Randy's like, you should do one on your art. And I was like, I mean, that's about creativity, but like, I don't know how it's like with healing. Like, um, and she was like, well, think about it. Like, and think if, if it has to do with healing. And I was like, okay, you know? Um, and, and then I walked away from that and I was like, I think she has a really good point. Like, I wonder if I should like sit back and think about this a little bit more. And so it did, it it gave me the opportunity to kind of sit back and be like, when do I rely on my art and my creativity? And I was, and I looked and I was like, I haven't done like any, I haven't really done any art in the last couple months, but I did a ton of art at the beginning of the year. And then I was like, why was that? And I started thinking through the last six months and the beginning of the year was when, cause my, my ex-husband and I separated in November. And so the beginning of the year and the end of 2020 was very emotional. And there was a lot of ups and downs and there was a lot of lows. And I realized on the nights that I was not feeling good and I wasn't feeling very positive about things or I was in a bad headspace. I would spend hours in bed on my laptop creating these art pieces. And I didn't at the time know that that's why I was pulling out my laptop and wanting to escape um, and make these things and have a distraction. But then I realized once I kind of moved out of that phase and I've gotten into the more like positive of like, okay, like this is a good thing. Like everything's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. And like, you know, we've been cohabitating this, t- this whole time. And like, we've really moved into like a friendship and like, um, establishing a good foundation to like co-parent Toby and like figure everything out. And I've, so I've been feeling a lot better and I've had less low days. And so I haven't been creating as much art because I haven't needed that escape. And then it was like all like a, oh my gosh, like this has been my healing. Um, and so I think, yeah, my art and creativity is definitely one of my lighthouses that I just realized. <laughs> um, so I think when when that lighthouse was going off, I, I might have had sunglasses on or something. It just wasn't as bright, but um, it was definitely calling me home. Um, and and so that's been um, that's definitely been one of my one of my lighthouses. I mean, I, my friends and my family, um, you know, and and my soul fam are, are definitely. Um, uh, lighthouses as well. Toby's probably my biggest lighthouse. Um, you know, it, despite his, you know, puberty and, you know, everything like that. Um, you know, I can walk into his room on any given day, um, and just say, I'm, I'm very sad right now and I need a, a cuddle and he immediately will just grab me. Um, and so I am very blessed, um, that he always calls me home. Um, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was powerful. And thank you for sharing that beautiful moment with your son. I mean, it's such a special relationship and it's so clear and it warms my heart the way you talk about it. Thank you for letting us be a part of that. <laughs> And, uh, but I mean, this is when creativity and healing, I I think there's this beautiful overlap between the two. And I don't think, like, it's like you said, a lot of people never realized it. I think 
until like you take a moment and really think about it. But mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, and I think it's funny because I've I've definitely gone back and uh, um, whew, let me compose myself. Um, I've gone back and looked at the artwork um, that I was creating in those moments <clears throat> when I needed to escape and kind of you know, take myself out of, you know, the day or the world that I was living in at that time. And it's interesting, um, because when I was on Imperfect Eco Heroes, you know, Jordan had asked me, is your art inspired by your activism? And I was like, no, like, I've never like sat there and been like, we need to save the planet and like, you know, made this art piece. Like it's, it's just been this random oh, I like mountains, I'll throw mountains on here. And oh, I love the oceans, I'll throw a jellyfish. You know, it's it's been more like um, just things that I like and love. And I've like layered them in a very interesting way to where, you know, I create this new world or whatever. And I didn't think too much of it when I was on that podcast. Um, but then when I was preparing for the post this week for, for Start the Wave, um, and I drew that connection between like, okay, this was me spending these months healing um, and escaping, I looked at the art and it was, I noticed that the pieces that I made incorporated things that make me happy. And it was the things that I needed, like to feel, I love being outside. Like almost all of my art has like some sort of landscape, whether it's mountains or water or you know there's there's always environmental elements and I can see where Jordan was coming from with like oh is this your activism like let's protect the planet and like I'm like no I just I just like being outside and so I think that's where that was coming from and then like um you know the different animals that I've used um you know all of those types of things you know animals in general just bring me joy and then um there was like fun little connections um that I have with like certain people in my life that I would pull into, you know, some of them um, on particular like days, if I had like a really good conversation with one of my friends, I would notice like an element of them suddenly, you know, appeared in, in a piece. Um, I did a dinosaur one after a really long conversation with Kale one day because her son was home being homeschooled and I could hear him in the background and I love their kids. Um, and I miss them so much. I haven't been able to see them because of COVID and he loves dinosaurs. And so the day that I did like the crazy, you know, dinosaur piece um, was after a really long conversation. It was just thinking of them brought me joy. And so like, I noticed that I just randomly made this dinosaur um, art. And I think it was, you know, the happiness of that day and that conversation came through and um, you know, I, I, there was one with hummingbirds in the moon because of a conversation I had with Dom and um you know I did an ocean one after talking to Porter one day you know and so it's like I noticed all these things I didn't notice in the moment um and so it was really interesting to go back and and look at those pieces and and be like I remember those days and those conversations and how they pulled me out of my low moments and then they translated in my art but at the moment I didn't know that that's what was happening as I was creating them so it's really interesting that was beautiful I, I love hearing about how creativity and healing intersect and like how the power of art, because I've shared a very insane story of how a form of art kind of saved my life and 
it, it brought back a big part of what I used to do. Like I, I used to love playing music with my brother and I used to love writing poetry and it stopped, like all of it stopped for a good yeah. number of years. And that insane thing happened and <laughs> the memories came yeah. back, but uh, I still haven't gotten back to the instruments yet, but I'm hoping it'll happen. I've got, this is, this is Wayne. This is my keys. Nice. Bruce is over there. Yes, the instrument's names are Bruce Wayne. Bruce, have... of course. <laughs> the guitar's name is Bruce, the keys are Wayne. Together it's Bruce Wayne. That's awesome. At this point in time, if anyone's surprised that these are the names, then it's on them. I have been very open about this, this <laughs> love. <laughs> but like, thank you for sharing that. I, I love how like when you take a moment to like sort of like look back, you can think of like those days again and I'm sure for you now it's like you look back at that and you can find like happy memories and like those feelings again like your heart reflects that yeah (laughs) but um, another big part of your life that you recently opened up about and was so kind to like help guide me also through was your journey with your gender Um, Mm -hmm. would you be open to telling us a little bit about that yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, my my journey with gender, it's interesting because it feels new, but then at the same time, I feel like it's been like this lifelong thing. Um, like I have always, I've always struggled um, to feel like I belonged in my skin, if that makes any sense. Um, like I've never felt, um, I've never felt super feminine. I've never felt, um, like, yeah, I just, I, yeah, people like, Hey girlfriend, I'm like, "Mm, whatever, you know, like all of these things, like just never like sat right. But then I also like, didn't want to be a man either. And so it was, it was very confusing because it was like, I don't feel like, I am who I'm supposed to be, but I also don't feel like I need to be the opposite of what I am. And there wasn't, obviously when I was growing up, there was never a term for that. Um, and so, you know, gender, I think, and, and gender identity and gender expression is, is a very, it's not a new concept, but I feel like it's being openly talked about more recently, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, and so, yeah, I had a very, very deep conversation um, with Jules, who was um, on the Start the Wave team um, for, part, for part of 2020. Um, and it was one of those days, and this is how a lot of Start the Wave calls go, because we just love each other so much and we're such a tight team, but like you get on a call and you're meant to be working and you don't really work, you just talk. And um, I mean, it's great. We still get amazing work done um, by doing it, but it was just one of those days where like we got on, what we needed to do took like five or 10 minutes. Um, Cause back then we were, we were over social together. Um, and so we accomplished what we needed to accomplish. And then we got on the topic of, of gender. I don't remember um, how we got on the topic, but we had this very like deep, like hour long conversation and Jules like basically schooled me on a ton of like stuff about like gender expression and what that means and the history of it. And really like 
helped me understand the concept of gender being a social construct. Um, Cause I don't think I really understood it at that point. Um, and so they, they opened my eyes big time um, on that call. And I was just like, holy shit. And that really got my like deep dive going. Um, and that was in like June or July of last year. Um, and so, yeah. And so I just kind of like kept understanding more of who I was and, and what that was like. And then um, I was very much towards the end of understanding um, who I was and what that meant when I read Sissy um, for the Big Queer Book Club podcast. And that book just completely, like, that was like the final, like, piece of the bow for me to just understand and like wrap this up on this understanding up in a like a nice little present and that was really just the bow on top um it really Jacob you know they wrote in such a way that I was just like this is exactly how I felt my whole life and I think it was impactful that book was so impactful because the book was written basically through Jacob's whole life um and it was like how they, how they felt as a child and then how they felt in middle school and then high school and then college. And I was just like, I felt the exact same way through all of these stages of my life. Um, and it really helped me understand, um, like, yes, this is who I am, but it's still scary. Um, and it's unfortunate that it's scary, um, but it is still very scary to be different because I feel like right now it is different, you know, to be non-binary. Um, and so it's, it's scary to, to be that person. that's like not, most people aren't going to understand what I'm talking about, but like, this is who I am. So I still kind of kept it to myself, um, opened up to a, a couple people about like, oh yeah, I've been kind of thinking about this. Um, and it was very interesting because then, you know, Dom came to me and came out. Um, and I was like, holy shit, like, okay. It's not, it's not hard. Like, I mean, it's hard, but it's not hard, you know, like, because it was like, here's someone who I respect and admire so much and they're being vulnerable because they want to be themselves. Um, and like, they really gave me the strength um, to finally be like, yeah, me too. And I felt it was very interesting because Dom and I were on those journeys parallel to each other the entire time and never spoke about it. Um, and came to that conclusion very, almost at the exact same time. Um, it was very interesting. Um, you know, the day they shaved their head is the day I got my Phoenix tattoo on my back and my Phoenix tattoo was partly for that. So it was very, very interesting parallel. Like I sent them a picture of my tattoo and was like, Hey, so this is, you know, and it's, it symbolizes this and this and, um, and kind of just stepping into my new skin. And I, I still didn't open up about what that actually meant. And they were just like, Oh, this is crazy. Like I just shaved my head. And then this is why. And I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is crazy. And so like, they really gave me the strength and confidence to, to just be myself and, and say, this is who I am. And it's still scary. I think, um, and it's hard. And I've, I've talked multiple times, um, you know, on other start the wave panels about the boxes that we like to put everybody in. And I, I, 
I respect boxes if, if people need them. Um, I don't want to say that people can't use boxes and like feel confident in boxes and like if they feel safe in boxes, like I'm not saying that that's not valid, like to each their own. Um, but for me, I've always struggled with boxes because I'm, I'm a very like literal person. Um, and so like, it's hard for me when someone says, well, you know, non-binary people are supposed to be androgynous. Um, and you're, you're supposed to always be in this in-between, like you can't just be super feminine one day or, and super masculine the next, like you always need to be in this in-between and you, and you need to be neutral at all times. Um, and that's one of the reasons I struggled with coming out and coming to terms with it, because I was like, I know I'm in between. I know that I'm not one or the other. Um, but, and I want they, them pronouns. I want to be addressed in a neutral way, but I don't, I want to be called mom. I don't want to have a different label. I don't want to be called a parent. I don't want Toby to be like, oh yeah, my parent. I want him to say mom. And people say that's wrong. Like I shouldn't want a feminine label still. And so I've struggled with that. Um, and like, I've just realized like, that's just the box people want to make for non-binary is like, I can make up my own rules. Um, and I think that's what people, I just recently had a conversation with someone else um, that came out as non-binary and they struggled because they still want to associate as a lesbian. And I was like, that's you, that's your rule. Like you get to say how you identify and it's not for anyone else to tell you that that's not okay um, because it's what you're choosing. And so I can be non-binary and still be okay with being called mom. Um, and that's the rules I make for myself kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I went on a phone, huge tangent and I don't even know what direction I went in, but. <laughs> it made sense. Every single word you said made sense. And honestly, yeah. firstly, I'm gonna start with saying thank you for being so open and honest and vulnerable about that journey. Um, you know that I've been thinking about all that and I've already like had conversations with you, like trying to figure this mm -hmm. stuff out. So just listening to you talk about it right now is helping so much, like putting things into perspective in my head and like, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's a very similar feeling to what I was feeling as well and why I had the same kind of questions. And I, I just know that when people hear this, it's, it's gonna like help them. And like the more conversations we can have about this, the better. And one of the reasons why I was so confused about all of this is something I shared with you in my circle, in my society, like we don't have any of these conversations. So mm -hmm. everything felt so foreign and I never had a term or an understanding of anything until I heard a few conversations. And that's when I realized like, okay, there's more than just this that I've been yeah. shown my entire life. So the conversa conversation is such a powerful, powerful thing. And I'm just so grateful that you said yes to have this conversation with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's like the important thing to remember, you know, and this is one of those things where it's like, um, you know, when you called me out earlier for like, well, you gave me this advice, but you're not listening to it. <laughs> um, wait, wait, wait a second. Calling you out feels a little <laughs> bit aggressive. That technically didn't happen. <laughs> 
you softly reminded me <laughs> is that better yes <laughs> okay um but it's like it's it's easy to say like and I'll say it right now but also in my own moments of you know feeling invalid um we'll forget it but it's that interesting um there's like a meme and it's like something about like um if you're if you're a girl and you're wearing a t-shirt then it's a girl's t-shirt and if you're a boy and you're wearing a boy's t-shirt or in a t-shirt it's a boy's t-shirt like a t-shirt's a t-shirt it doesn't matter and that's basically the same thing like what I'm trying to like articulate is like if you feel you're non-binary and that's how you want to be acknowledged all you have to do is say you're non-binary like you don't there's not like a test you have to pass or a checklist that you have to check off and I think that's the misconception that our society puts on people um and I feel like that's like for anything like like when I first came out um I came out as bisexual I, I identify more as queer now because I, I feel like there's more fluidity with it um but same thing with like being bisexual people like but you're married to a guy what does that have to do with it if I say I'm bisexual I'm bisexual you know if and I feel like there's always this you have to prove yourself um and I don't get that. I don't, I feel like that, that, that kind of like pressure and those kind of like weird, um, weird judgments is where I think when, if we bring it back to mental health, why journeys like this and things like this are so hard on us because we have to prove we're enough to be able to use that label. And I just think that's bullshit. Like, if I want to be non-binary and still go by mom and wear skirts all the time, who the fuck cares? It's nobody's business but mine. Like, if I tell you I'm non-binary and my pronouns are they, them, then just respect that. Like, I don't understand why I have to prove anything to you. Um, and I've noticed that a lot with a ton of people that have come out as non-binary. Um, you know, and I won't get into specifics, but I mean, like, you know, you come out as non-binary and then you wear a skirt to a party and post a picture and somebody, suddenly people are like, oh, like they're not actually non-binary because like they're like wearing a skirt and like a crop top and like, like they're not non-binary because they're still super feminine. Like the clothes I wear don't determine how I feel inside. Um, and the pressures and the opinions and the comments and the judgments like that are what put people in a bad mental state and like those are the types of things that need to stop um just with everything like not even just non-binary just I mean everything like we just need to like stop putting our own opinions on other people and telling them that they're wrong um because we don't understand yes oh my god I could listen to <laughs> listen to you talk for hours like just you make so much sense like honest to god but like, uh, just on this, like, do you have any advice for someone who's on that journey right now? Um, I mean, it's, it's, hmm, it's hard because I feel like gender, journeys of gender, like journeys for, um, 
like identities, like all of that. I don't feel like there's a one size fits all. I think everybody's journey is so different. Um, Cause like even like, you know, Dom and I being on the same basic journey at the same exact time when we have conversations now and we talk through like the things that we were thinking and the like the the you know holdups for us understanding or feeling comfortable or you know are so different um I mean obviously mine are around being a parent Dom's not a parent so that I mean that's an obvious difference but like even even outside of that there were different things we were thinking of because we grew up differently and um we've led different lives and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so I could have given Dom advice and they could have given me advice and it wouldn't have helped because we're just so different. Um, but I do, I feel like, um, you know, some, some general things is don't rush it. Um, you know, I, I took a very long time to figure it out. Um, and I, even when I came out, it still felt rushed. Like, I still felt like, did I take enough time to really understand this and like really make sure that I'm like, um, you know, this is, this is who I am, you know? Um, so I would say, don't rush it. Don't feel like you're obligated to come out either. Like you could live your whole life as, as non-binary, um, and not feel safe. To update your pronouns and that is completely fine um I would say never never come out unless you feel safe to do so and never feel like you are obligated to do that um you can come out to those that are that are safe and you can um you know come out to those that matter and if you don't come out to the world like there's nothing wrong with that either um but just know, like, know, know in, in your heart that that's who you are. And, like, that in and of itself, I think, is a huge accomplishment. Like, if you can stand in front of a mirror and say, this is who I am and love yourself for it, it doesn't matter what you do after that. Um, and I feel like that's the pressure we put on people with... Um, Cause like I'm trying to think of how to articulate this, like national coming out day and like pride month, you know, we put, um, and I tried to share this as much as possible, like on my Instagram stories this year, which was happy pride to all the people that aren't out yet. And I think we put a pressure on people that they need to be out. Um, and that's the only way to be proud of who you are. Um, and I, I would say that would be my number one piece of advice is like, you don't owe it to anybody but yourself to know who you are. Um, and if you, like, like I said, if you can stand in front of a mirror and know who you are, like that's, that's enough of an accomplishment in and of itself, because there's people I think walking this earth that don't put in the time to do that. Um, and yeah, I guess, I don't know if that, any of that made sense. <laughs> Every single word. I that that's basically all the questions I had wanted to talk about and like I love that we had so many deep conversations like so many different things that I know for a fact are going to help people and I usually end every episode by asking do you have any final words any advice and to be honest I think you just ended on the most perfect note but if you <laughs> want to add anything to it please feel free but 
I just want to take a moment and say thank you again about just like taking the time to have this conversation with me for the podcast for when we're not recording I really really appreciate it which is exactly why when I introduced you as well I said that you're one of the most kindest compassionate and considerate people I've met and I'm not saying that to flatter you I truly do (laughs) believe that thank you I appreciate that thank you